You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. We got it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of again. the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. Part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we're going to hear from Dolphins GM Chris Greer. And I'm going to revisit a project I did back in 2021, taking a look at draft hits. And we'll expand that into free agency, waiver wire, trades, the many ways to upgrade a football team and build a roster. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is... The Drive Time Podcast. Before anything else here on today's show, the Dolphins announced eight practice squad additions. Cornerback Ethan Bonner, defensive end Randy Charlton, tight end Tanner Connor, linebacker Cameron Good, defensive tackle Deshaun Hand, linebacker Alexander A.J. Johnson, wide receiver Braylon Sanders, and offensive lineman Olama Yulave. And I look at this list and I see a handful of guys that I think are going to contribute to your 2023 Miami Dolphins in some form or fashion. I start with Deshaun Hand, a guy that I was personally very surprised he wasn't on the opening day roster, but also I think you can understand the move here and the way the Dolphins kind of used River Craycraft a year ago or John Jenkins a year ago. That role can certainly be filled by a guy that gets practice squad elevations you get three and so you kind of buy yourself some time there with regards to keeping him at arm's length before you put him on the active roster and I'm sure we'll see you know some activity leading up to that as well and the same story with Alexander Johnson I think he was a guy that they brought in for you know not for no reason at all so to get him here and to get a look at him at the linebacker spot in that game and kind of get him back into Vic Fangio's defense and running things uh, makes a lot of sense there. And then Tanner Connor technically is your third tight end in the building right now. And, you know, I mentioned this on the podcast yesterday. I think we can expect to see some more activity there as we get closer and closer to Charger week, which is now just a couple of days away. But I think that Tanner Connor has really shown some strides in the way he attacks the blocking game as far as his run blocking. And obviously the speed and athletic ability are there uh, in the passing game as well. And then for a guy like Cameron, and good to continue to develop. Uh, Braylon Sanders as well, and then a couple of guys from this year's uh, undrafted class looking to kind of get themselves uh, their feet wet in the league as practice squad members here. So plenty of activity, plenty of moves to come. We saw now three players from this Dolphins roster. We told you this was a good and deep roster, right? And we heard other folks say that they wouldn't have anybody signed off of their cuts, but we've had three players now claimed. Elijah Higgins, this one really uh, is a shot across the bow of old Tringfield here. Really sad about that because I thought Elijah Higgins had some ability to make that transition to tight end. I thought he would be a long-term player here, but he gets scooped up by the Arizona Cardinals. Good for them. And then Ryan Hayes gets picked up by the Indianapolis Colts. So technically now your draft class in 2023 down to just two players with Cam Smith and Devon A-Chain. On this podcast, since we had Chris Greer coming up on the show today for his media availabilities, and we'll cover that in the final segment of the show, I tried to find an old script from 2021, but it was unsuccessful in that search. 
And in hindsight, probably better just redo the whole thing anyway, since you have a couple of more years of data to determine player success compared to, you know, how they were acquired. It was a podcast back in 2021. I went down every team's recent draft success, and I went back to 2016 because that was the year that Chris Greer was hired as the the sole GM of the football team. And the toughest part of this assignment, I think, is to define what is a hit and miss. And the more I went through it, the more I realized this is kind of, you know, subjective in terms of who you're talking to. And, you know, just full transparency, I put Phillips and Holland and Waddle in my star categories. I don't think other people from other teams might say that, but I know what we have with those three guys. And so that's kind of where the, you know, subjectivity comes in there. And I think it can be difficult to, to have that, but I tried to be more beneficial to teams, especially as the rounds went on here. Should probably tell you what the project is first, but I have four categories for what is a hit and miss and, and how we measure these certain categories in this assignment that I took on or or assigned myself, there's a star. This is multiple Pro Bowls or an All-Pro or someone universally recognized as a top-of-the-line player, which is why I think Waddle, Holland, and Phillips all satisfy that. I think most folks would agree that cover the game on a national perspective and have an idea of what talent is uh, would agree those guys are, you know, top 10 at their position at very worst. The next is a hit. Not the star status, but a player who stuck around and contributed for multiple years to your team. Typically, they find the way to the second contract, whether it's with your club or somebody else. For instance, a Minka Fitzpatrick was a guy that we drafted but did not stay here, obviously. Uh, coaching staff issues with him caused that departure. But then we have the incompletes, and this will include any rookie or most second-year players, and that's why I didn't actually do the 2022 and 2023 draft classes. And that does seem like it's a little bit of manipulating these statistics there because obviously Miami had two very light drafts those two years but the whole point of this exercise was to tell you about how Miami built up this roster with a a almost you know better than a half decade of good drafting to put themselves in position to spend draft picks on star talent and then you have a balance of a roster of high high end players top of the market players with contributing guys on rookie contracts in those draft classes and hopefully you can continue to kind of push that can down the road while you extend those young guys as they hit their second contract so no rookies no second year players uh, you know guys who've had some injury issues also figure into that incomplete status which I put Austin Jackson there. I know someone probably would disagree with that, but that's where I think he is right now. I want to see him play this year since we didn't get a chance to watch him in year three under a real offensive system because in 2020 and 2021, we didn't have that. Um, And then finally, misses. That's probably pretty self-explanatory. And round value will be assessed as well. So for instance, getting four years and 2,056 scrimmage yards from Miles Gaskin as well as 13 touchdowns in a seventh-round draft pick that's a hit. That's the same, you know, that same production for a first round pick. That's a miss. Does that make sense to y'all? So let's go ahead and get to that. And we'll start with our own division and with our own team here. And again, only going to do the draft for every team, but we'll circle back at the end and look at all of our off seasons, including free agents, trades, waiver, all that fun stuff at the very end. So we're not going to list 2022 and 2023 because it's too early to have a tell for how those guys pan out. We essentially had two red shirts last year in Ezukama and uh, Channing Tindall. So it's just too early to call on that. That also kind of impacts teams like the Jets and the Seahawks, who had awesome rookie classes a year ago, who you can consider hits already. But then again, some guys look really good as rookies and don't pan out in their second and third year. So maybe it's not too early. 
just trying to give you the full comprehensive picture here. So let's go ahead and do this thing like we've been talking about. So stars, hits, incompletes, and misses, drafts going back to 2016. I'm just going to talk about each team a little bit here. The Miami Dolphins, we probably should do their whole entire thing. In 2016, I had two stars, two hits, no incompletes, and four misses. The two stars there, pretty obvious. I think Laramie Tunzel and Xavier Howard, and then Jerome Baker and Mike Gesicki were the two, no, sorry, that's 2018. Uh, Kenyon Drake and Jakeem Grant were the two hits. Again, Grant, a sixth-round draft pick who was one of the best return men, not just in Dolphins history, but league history. And Kenyon Drake, who had nearly a 1,000 yards one year, was here for, you know, almost the duration of his rookie contract, went on somewhere else and had good success in Arizona and Las Vegas as well. So that's a hit in the third round of the draft and then the four misses that year as well. Leontae Carew being one of those guys. 2017, an absolute tire fire of a draft. We had one hit. It was Devon Godshaw. No stars, no incompletes, six misses in that year's class. That was a rough draft for a lot of teams around the league. 2017 was not a very good draft class, except for the New Orleans Saints, who had the best draft class of all time, in my opinion, that year. 2018, one star. That would be Minka Fitzpatrick. Of course, he's no longer here. He turned into Austin Jackson, so I can see how you would uh, you know, negate that, that hit. But just for the purpose of looking at who picked who, that was a draft hit at a superstar. But Miami had four more hits that year between Jason Sanders in the seventh round as a successful draft pick, the all-time leader in field goal percentage for the Miami Dolphins, Jerome Baker, Mike Gesicki, and Durham Smythe in the fourth round. I also consider it to be a draft hit at that spot because now he's going into year 18, 19, 21 to year six. That's uh, Most guys don't do that in the league. And then three misses that year. 2019, one star, that's Christian Wilkins. Two hits, that is Andrew Van Ginkle and Miles Gaskin. No incompletes, and then three misses. In 2020, I have one incomplete in there, which... You know, that's Austin Jackson. That's that's who I told you guys earlier, which the 2020 class on this entire project did not get many incompletes. But as far as star hits, I have two. Do you guys know who that is? I'm going to a Tonga Bailoa and Rob Hunt, I think, are two of the very best players at their position. I have three hits with Brandon Jones, Raekwon Davis. And this one I could understand an argument for because long snapper, do you call that a hit? Maybe we don't. Maybe we call it two hits. Uh, but Blake Ferguson is here for his fourth season, and he's been pretty solid at snapping the football. Of course, the one incomplete and then five misses. So I know everyone gets on that draft class for saying what a miss it was. And yeah, there were options in that first round to, to pay, take over Austin Jackson and Noah Egbenogany. But at the end of the day, you're going to see a lot of these teams that had a lot of picks like that. That's actually pretty good for how, this, uh, how most teams did. Five of the 11 picks worked out for you. 2021, three stars. I, I know that's going to be an argument for some. Three stars, no actual non-star hits, one incomplete. That is uh, Liam Eikenberg, although I'm more inclined to put that in the miss category. Um, And then three misses that year as well. So your six-year totals there. (laughs) I'm I'm really curious to see how this is received. Nine stars, do we agree with that? Do we agree that Tunzel, X, Minka, Christian, Tua, Rob Hunt, Javon Holland, Jalen Waddell, and Jalen Phillips are all star players. I mean, it's not a debate to me, but I'm curious what you guys think. 12 additional hits, two incompletes, probably more like one, and then 24 misses or 25 misses, depending on the incomplete. So that gives you a superstar hit percentage of 191. Like your batting average is 191 on star players. Sounds bad, right? Because 191 is not a good batting average. But as you're going to learn as you go through this project, it's very, very good. Your hit percentage is 447. I'll also explain that in context here in a moment. So keep those numbers in mind. Let's go ahead and finish up the AFC East before we do our first break. The Patriots since 2016, uh, tons of misses in there. I had 35 misses out of 50 draft picks. I had just two superstars in that group and 11 hits. That gives them a star percentage of 40, 040. Like your batting average is 040. 
uh, your hit percentage is 260. So nearly, well, not really, but almost 200 points less than what the Miami Dolphins did. The Jets since 2016. And that's, you know, I see the argument from the one guy on Twitter who just claims that the Jets built their team the right way and the Dolphins built their team the wrong way. And it just makes me laugh uh, every time I see it because this, pro- this project alone tells you how stupid that is. Three stars over the course of six drafts for them. Eight additional hits, one incomplete, and 35 misses. And yeah, that doesn't include their 2022 class, which is very, very good. I can acknowledge that. But we didn't do it for this project because it's still too early for pretty much every draft class to gauge that. And even those rookies that hit, you never know. You just never know how it's going to play out. So the Jets' star percentage is 064. Not very good. Their hit percentage, 234. Also not good at all. Buffalo Bills draft since 2016. These guys hit the star power in back-to-back years. Three stars in 2017, three stars in 2018. What a heck of a a run that was. And one of those years included Tredavious White, Matt Milano, and shoot, now I forget the other one, but Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds in that group. They had a couple of years of really good drafting. That's why they put themselves in position to go to playoffs back-to-back-to-back years after missing it for 20 years. And of course, when you hit your quarterback, that helps too. So six stars over six years, 15 additional hits, and uh, that gave them a star percentage of 136. Like, it's tough to hit stars in the draft, man. Like, if you get one per year, you are absolutely slaying the draft. And then their hit percentage, they're one of the teams that has a better hit percentage than Miami. They are at 477 compared to Miami's 447. Let's do. Uh, let's take our first break right there and come back, and we'll do the rest of these draft hits and misses and eventually get to the Miami Dolphins' um, ranking in those two categories and then also Chris Greer's media availability and entire off-seasons in general. All that's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We are looking back six years into the rear view for draft successes and failures and hits and superstars and comparing the Dolphins to the rest of the league and why this roster is where it is today as pretty much a unanimous top five roster in terms of how most people view this team that, uh, that have an idea, right? So we go back to the AFC North here as one team in the AFC East topped Miami's overall hit percentage, but Miami stands atop right now, four teams in on the star hit percentage. The Steelers, for instance, a team that we always talk about as great drafting teams, right? Just two star players, and it's been since 2017 with TJ Watt since they last found their star player in the draft. They do have 12 additional hits, though, but a star percentage of just .041 and a hit percentage of .292. You can, you're going to see a theme here. The teams that hit in the 400s, for the most part, are teams that are having success and, and winning you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 games a year, finding their way into the playoffs. I know the Dolphins have not had the playoff success, but the fact that they are one of the top five teams in terms of total wins over the last you know three years, that's because of good drafting for years ahead in advance. So just keep that in mind, please. The Ravens here since 2016. Another team we always talk about, great drafting, right? And, and they are, don't get me wrong. But how about their star percentage? I have six stars here out of 56 draft picks. That's a batting average of 107. Now, their hit percentage is phenomenal. <laughs> and it, when one of your stars is the quarterback, that helps too. But their hit percentage is 29 for 56. That's 518. 
is that the top I have? I think it is. I think it's the number one team on here in terms of hitting draft picks. They're the only team that batted over 500 in this entire exercise. Check that. So did the Saints. The Saints had a better one than that. So Saints and Ravens are the only teams that hit over 500 in this particular you know, baseball draft comparison that we're doing here. And that's a team that has sustained a ton of success, right? But also a reason why maybe they haven't been, you know, in the playoffs the last couple of years. One, their quarterback's gotten hurt, but the star stuff ran out in 2018. In 2016, they had two stars. 2017, one star. 2018, three stars. So it's tough, man. Drafting is very, very difficult in this league. The Bengals, since 2016, they've drafted just four stars. That, of course, is Joe Burrow and, and, and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins as a couple of those guys. And also Jesse Bates was the fourth one there for them. I also have them a 17 additional hit, so 21 out of 56 gives them a 375 batting average, and their star percentage is also under 100, 71 for the Cincinnati Bengals. You guys see in this theme here, the Cleveland Browns, five total stars. They've only had one since 2018, uh, 13 additional draft hits. That gives them a star percentage of just 090 and a hit percentage of 327. It's, it's tough out there. You go back to their 2016 draft when they had just a million <laughs> a million draft picks, 14 of them. They had zero stars out of 14 picks and four hits. And I was even being kind of kind on that. It probably could be more like three, but I digress. So their batting average is 327. The Texans going to the AFC South now since 2016. And you look at after the Tunsil trade, they did not do anything in the draft. The last two years, uh, 2020 and 2021, which is the year before they traded Tunzel or after they traded Tunzel and spent both first round picks to Miami, uh, no stars out of that and just two hits and then four, eight misses combined. So they had um, 10 draft picks and had just two hits in two years. That's how you put yourself in position where the Texans are, where your roster is depleted and you have to go sign a bunch of one-year stop gaps. It's tough living that way. But for the total there, one star over the course of six years, it was Deshaun Watson, who, of course, is no longer with the team and probably no longer a star, and then 13 hits out of 38. That's a star percentage of .026. (laughs) Compare that to Miami. like It's not even close. And then hit percentage, 368. The Colts... Since 2016, four stars, and their last one was in 2020. Uh, they've only had one since 2018. They did have um, Quentin Nelson and Shaq Leonard in that year, though. But 18 total hits. Their star percentage is .074. Their hit percentage, 333. Another team that has not cleared Miami in the batting average. Jacksonville, back in 2016, they had three stars, but it has been downhill since then. Only one star since. It was in 2021. That's Trevor Lawrence, of course. They have 16 total hits, so a star percentage of .087 and a 435 hit percentage. So almost to Miami's cap- uh, level there, but a lot of that's been in recent years, which is why you're just now starting to see the Jaguars come to life. This, this exercise... I can look at two years of good drafting, and typically in the third year, that team's going to be like a, a 500 or better football team. That's it's It works across the board almost unanimously, except for the Chicago Bears, who we'll get to here in a minute. The Titans, since 2016, three stars in that 2019 class, and that includes David Long for the Miami Dolphins currently, but they have six total and uh, 14 additional hits. Their star percentage, 139, better than most teams, and a 465 hit percentage. One of the teams better than the Miami Dolphins, and who's been in the playoffs pretty much every year going back since Ryan Tannehill got there, but the Tennessee Titans. You see how this all works out? You see how I'm building towards what the Dolphins have done uh, in recent years? 
the Chiefs since 2016, the world champion KC Chiefs, right? And of course, when you get Patrick Mahomes, it <laughs> it shakes this thing up a little bit. But three stars back in 2016, only one between 2017 and 2020, that was Pat Mahomes. And then they had two this uh, 2021 class. That was Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, two guys that I really wanted in the draft. But um, I digress. And they were later round picks and probably could have got Smith and Humphrey maybe over Liam, but I digress. Uh, Six-year totals there, six stars, 11 total uh, or 11 additional hits. That gives them a star percentage of just 154, but a hit percentage of 436, slightly below Miami's. The Chargers since 2016, to give us uh, into the AFC West here, five stars and five additional hits, a 111 star percentage hit. That's over 100. It's pretty much been good and compared to what you're hearing here. And then a 444 hit percentage for the LA Chargers. The Las Vegas Raiders, woo boy, not good. The Mike Mayock and John Gruden era was not very good. They had two stars in 2019. That was it, two stars over a six-year total. Only 10 additional hits out of 48 total draft picks. That gives us a star percentage of 048 and a batting average of 250 on hits. The Broncos, to round out the AFC here, just four total stars and 14 hits. That gives them a star percentage of just .082 and then a hit percentage of 367. And 2021 was their best draft by a long shot. Baron Browning and Patrick Sertan also had Quinn Minerts in there and Javante Williams. So again, 2019, 2020, like horrible, horrible draft classes. That's how you wind up winning four and five football games a year. It's it you can you can set your watch to this exercise. NFC teams, the Giants, seven stars over six years, 10 total hits. It's funny how, like, and I was one of the, the main culprits of this, how much crap Dave Gellerman got for <laughs> what he did in the draft, but like, it kind of worked, man. Like, Saquon's the man, Dexter Lawrence is the man, Daniel Jones is better than I thought he would be. All things told, a 159 star percentage, which is one of the better ones, and the hit percentage of 386 is not great, but it's not bad either. The Eagles, five stars and then 14 additional hits out of 40 draft picks, a 125 star rating. But their hit percentage, another team that finished over Miami, 475. Very good there. And, of course, you hit your quarterback and you get high averages there. You're going to wind up playing deep into the playoffs like the Eagles did last year to the Super Bowl. The Cowboys, four stars, 18 additional hits. That's got to make Jerry Jones crazy. A 78 batting average for stars, but a 431 overall hit percentage. So good drafting, just haven't found the star players like they used to. The Commanders, just three stars and 15 hits. That's a star percentage of .056 and a 340 batting average. Again, that tracks, right? No stars the last couple of years in this in this exercise for the Washington Commanders. Going over to the NFC North, the Detroit Lions. Two stars in 2021 helps them in a big way, but that was the before that they only had one star in the previous five years and 17 additional hits. 55 was their batting average, 055 in stars, and then 370 for hits. Pretty low for a team that has struggled to find the playoffs. The Packers since 2016, and this kind of tells you why the Packers were an 8-9 football team last year, right? They uh, quarterback regressed, and their their roster was not as good as it has been. They had a star every year from 2016 to 2018. They had two in 2019, but none in 2020 or 2021. They had 20 successful hits out of 55 draft picks. That gave them a 364 batting average and a star percentage of just .091. The Chicago Bears, it's been rough going over them for, for them here, man. Like, they had pretty much every class is, is way more misses than hits. Three stars, 14 hits out of 40. That's a 75 star percentage. But the hit percentage actually was pretty good. I kind of lied there. 425, and that's the one that kind of 
goes against the, the exception to the rule of the quality drafting leading to, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 win, win teams. The Bears look at the one team that stands out there uh, in the converse as far as what this expectation is. The Vikings, t- just two stars over the last six years, twenty or 19 hits additionally. That's a star percentage of .030. I think that's the lowest one I did. And then a hit percentage of just .323, so pretty bad there for the Vikings to put them in this position where they've kind of had to rebuild the roster in 2023. The Falcons, three stars and 15 additional hits. That's an 073 star percentage, but because the Vikings had so many picks, that's why there's, their biting average is low, because the Falcons is 439, so pretty good there for a team that's been quietly building a, a, a good team down there in Atlanta. We'll see what happens with Desmond Ritter, though. The Carolina Panthers, since 2016, it's been bad. They've been bad. A star percentage of just .067. 422 hit percentage is not bad, but they just haven't found a way to put it all together and haven't found guys in the key spots for the most part, like the offense weapons quarterback. We'll see if Bryce Young can change that. The Saints had the best draft class of all time, in my opinion, in 2017 when they hit four stars. That's the most of anybody on this entire project or exercise and they had three hits as well so seven draft picks and no misses that year for them it's the best class of all time ryan ramchak marshawn Lattimore, trey hendrickson alvin Kamara, also alkadin muhammad and uh, marcus william like that was just a loaded draft class for them but it's been tough going since then no, none in 18 one in 2019 none in 2020 none in 2021 there were some hits along the way but seven stars and 12 hits like more, more than half your hits or stars is pretty good or no, that's not how that math works, but you get the idea. But a, a star percentage of 200, they are the only team that had a better star percentage than the Miami Dolphins. Their hit percentage, 559, that was the best in the entire project. The Buccaneers, just four hits uh, for stars over the last six years, 11 total hits, or I should say 15 total hits. So a star percentage of .093, a hit percentage of 349, right pretty middle of the pack there. The Seahawks, after that great 2020 draft class, had a, had a rough go of it for a while. They only have one star, actually, over the last six years. I gave it to DK Metcalf in that entire grouping. Their strategy of taking guys that were consensus not anywhere near where they're supposed to go worked out for them once, not so much since. 14 additional hits, so a star percentage that was the lowest. I, I lied. The Vikings was not the lowest. It was the Seahawks. .019, their hitting percentage, ooh, 288, below 300 and below .20. I like that's that's rough going for the Seahawks drafting. That's why I thought they were going to be a top five picking team last year, but they had a great rookie class. Geno Smith surprised us all. It, it, it happens. There's some exception to the rule. The Rams, uh, the hit rate is why they were able to supplement their roster, and that's kind of how the Dolphins followed this similar trajectory, although I think Miami has much more flexibility to be good for longer. But they had just one star over six years, but they hit on 19 additional draft picks. So 20 out of 51 for a 392 hit percentage, that's pretty good, but a star rating of just .020. But they got their stars through trades, kind of like Miami did. So the Cardinals, since 2016, three stars, nine additional hits. That's a star rating of 70 and a hit percentage of 279. And then the 49ers, everyone thinks the 49ers have this great roster building process, and they do. They're one of the best teams in the NFL year in and year out. But again, like the draft numbers, you can't lie on these things. You can't fudge them. Seven total stars, which is great. 2019, they got three of them, 11 additional hits. That's a star rating of 130 and a hit percentage of 333. So teams who had a higher star drafted percentage in the Miami Dolphins was one, the New Orleans Saints. And it's because they had the greatest draft of all time in 2017. Teams who had a higher hit rate from 2016 to 2021, there's five of them. So the way I view this, the Saints, Eagles, Titans, Ravens, and Bills, all higher than Miami. I mean, what else do you guys, like, what do you want? I I guess is what I'm trying to say here. I, I get so tired of the rhetoric around the Dolphins GM. Like, Top six in overall drafting in, since he got hired, you know, second in terms of delivering star power via the draft and using those guys to get more draft picks and get more stars down the road. I would balance that to say it's like the third or fourth best drafting of any team since 2016. 
If you want to argue about it, go back and look at every team the way I did because I did that. I looked at every team, that, every draft pick, and made these determinations. You're welcome to do it yourself too. Uh, but that's why you're allowed to go crazy in the trade market in 2022 and 2023 because you've had these monster drafts. Like our off-seasons, 2016. Think about these additions. Like go look at other teams' off-seasons. How many star players, how many quality hits, draft, free agency, trades, there's not more than two or three per year for the best teams. 2016, Tunzel, we know what he became. He became a treasure trove of draft picks and star players. Xavier Howard's been one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL since he got here. Kenyon Drake was a very good uh, contributor, and Jakeem Grant was as well, especially for third and sixth round picks. 2017 is the one year you can flush down the toilet. Not a good draft, not a good free agency period. Jay Cutler, Nate Allen, Anthony Fasano, Lawrence Timmons, Ted Larson. Ugh. William Hayes was a hit, so was Devon Godshaw in the draft. But just one of those years that every team over the exercise here, even the best, has every half decade or so. 2018, Minka Fitzpatrick, Mike Gesicki, Jerome Baker, Durham Smythe, and Jason Sanders. You also signed Frank Gore, Josh Sitton, and Albert Wilson. Those were role players that, you know, Sitton played one game and got hurt. Gore was a nice little complimentary back, and Wilson was a fun gadget number three receiver. But they, they were all positive hits in terms of free agent additions. Well, Sitton would have been if he would have played, but he, he didn't play. Uh, 2019, with limited resources because we push it all to the future. Wilkins is a star. Gink is a very good you know contributor as a fifth-round draft pick. Gaskin had a very good career here for a seventh-round draft pick. You also added a future two. Nick Needham undrafted. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Eric Rowe, Zach Sealer that year as a waiver wire pickup. Not bad, man. Not bad to put your some eggs in your future baskets. Then it got really good from there. 2020, Tua, Rob Hunt, Brandon Jones, Raekwon Davis, Byron Jones, Emmanuel Ogba. 2021, Waddle, Phillips, Holland, and all the capital to go ham in 2022 they got with Tyreek, Chubb, Armstead, Connor Williams, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Alec Ingold. Like, they've been awesome, man. That's what I'm trying to say to you guys. 2023, Jalen Ramsey, David Long, Vic Fangio, Braxton Berrios, Isaiah Wynn. They have been so good in this department. It's why the roster is unanimously across national pundits, a top three or four or five roster and it's why they're in this position where a lot of folks think they're going to make a lot of noise this year deep into the playoffs. The whole point of the exercise is to point out the plan and how it worked and how it played out to allow us to be aggressive and go get star talent because you did draft so well to create that balance and supplement your big money guys with contributors on rookie contracts. And rant. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side and play the highlights from Chris Greer's media availability on Wednesday. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. And with all that, let's go ahead and hear from the man we just talked about and saying his praises, Chris Greer, who met with the media on Wednesday ahead of practice. And uh, he first was asked a question that was framed about why did you not be more aggressive in going after Jonathan Taylor? Um, but the question was kind of posed, like, why would you you know, not give up the, the farm for him, essentially? And the question was posed in a way that was like, do you, was it because that you thought the roster was ready to compete? You didn't want the consequences of potentially that move not working out? And he wound up giving us an answer that wasn't really about Jonathan Taylor because, as we heard from both him and Coach McDaniel, uh, the move was actually never that close, according to both guys. 
So I just wanted to play this audio for you guys here because he talked about how they feel about the roster, and it kind of coincides with what we just said in the previous two segments. Here's Chris Greer on your Miami Dolphins 2023 roster. No, I think we feel good about the roster we have. Um, we like the players on the roster. Like today is a, um, yesterday was an exciting day with the 53 and, and still working through the practice squad additions. Um, but um, when you build a team, like we've always talked, you look long-term, short-term, so... Um, you know, yeah, we're always aggressive to do it, but we're also going to be mindful and, and you know, and, and Brandon and Max do a great job as, as we talk through things uh, salary cap related. Uh, so for us, it's, you know, we're able to do a lot of moves. We, we can do moves or not, but you also um, you're also aware of your roster. Like we've been consistent in saying we feel good about our running back room. You know, I, I think it showed in the preseason. Those guys have done a nice job. Um, Mike has always expressed confidence, confidence in them as well as myself. So uh, for us, you know, again, you know, my job is when players are available, whoever they are, um, whether it's a pro bowler or a journeyman on the street that's bounced around, we're going to talk to people, make calls and do it. And so, um, you know, for us, we felt good about the roster and very fortunate to, uh, you know, have, you know, Steve and Tom uh, allow us to be aggressive at times when we want to do it. Next, he was asked, do you feel the roster is ready to compete with the powerhouses in the AFC, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati? Here's your GM. I do. I think we can compete with them. You know, again, it's, it'll be too determined this season, but we do. We feel good about the players. Uh, Mike and the coaching staff do a fantastic job. Uh, I think this group is a very close group that's focused. Um, they've had a great uh, camp in here and working together, and it's, it's a very close uh, unit, and it's fun to be around them, and they enjoy being around each other, and I think that's a, always a big key uh, when you're building a team. Chris was also asked about the Tua Tungavailoa potential contract talks, the Jalen Ramsey impact. He did say they expect Jalen Ramsey back this year. Also said that Jalen Waddle would not be available for anybody if he was asked for in a trade. And so they're going to go ahead and let Tua play out the year uh, and not not discuss the contract because of the distractions that can come with that. But he was also asked about Christian Wilkins and the other defensive tackles and how those guys' contracts might have made an impact on on the moves there. But he did say they've had enjoyable conversations here with Christian Wilkins and his agency, and uh, they're going to hold off on those talks for now. But it's been positive between the two sides, and uh, they'll look to get something hammered out maybe next year or whenever that might happen. Um, here's Coach or Coach. Here's Chris, I should say, on the two trades that materialized right around roster cutdown time: Dan Feeney and Noah Igbenogany, as well as Kelvin Joseph coming back from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, uh, first with uh, Dan Feeney. You know, we signed Dan here to be our, our backup center, so um, we were excited to have him. And um, it just happened to be uh, an opportunity when uh, Chicago reached out, and uh, so he has an opportunity to go play. I guess they've had some bumps and bruises on the offensive line. So uh, for us, uh, Dan did a great job here. He's got some personality, as you know, you know, with the mullet and mustache. You know, um, so um, he's a good dude. I was happy for him. He's from Chicago, so uh, so it worked out for him. You know, and then uh, in terms of Noah, uh, you know, Vic here, as we've been going, we've been kind of looking for another uh, nickel player. And so um, I did uh, just searching around, talked to Dallas, and then they called and, and they had asked about Noah because um, they, you know, they need some help on the outside, I assume. Uh, I didn't really go into, you know, what each other, we don't really go into each other's needs. But um, for us, uh, the chance to add uh Kelvin is a, a guy that can play inside and out, but has played the nickel and did in the preseason here. Uh, good was, uh, uh, and he's played special teams. Uh, was something we needed. So, um, 
it was tough. Noah's done, worked hard here since he's been here. He's had, you know, ups and downs, but he's a competitive kid. I'm so proud of him. Uh, he won us a game last year with a big pick on Sunday night to end the game. And, um, you know, making a transition from receiver to corner is not an easy thing, you know, for a kid. And, and uh, he was so young, I think 20 years old when he got here. Um, so um, I'm happy for him. You know, we were both a little sad <laughs> leaving, but um, I'm very happy for the opportunity for him because they really wanted him. So I'm, I'm excited for him, and we're excited to have A couple more news items here. Uh, injury reserve, Jalen Ramsey and Rob Hunt will go on IR, but Elijah Campbell will not. So that's great news for him coming back. We also heard that Keon Crossan suffered a freak injury and is out for the year at yesterday's practice. And then uh, Tanner Connor is back on the practice squad, as you heard, and they're going to try to see about Robbie Chosen because they want him back. But, of course, being the veteran that he is, he has options. We're going to close out here with two more, one on the offensive line, one on Keon Smith. First, let's go ahead and hear from Chris Greer on how they assess their offensive line heading into the 2023 season. No, he's uh, with the offensive line. Uh, we're happy with it. Uh, they showed, uh, I think you've seen the progress from the last two years with um, – the fundamentals and the teaching in this offense in the preseason, you know, in the run game, they've done some good things, uh, pass pro. So uh, we're excited for the guys uh, with the group we have here, the 53. So um, like anything, we'll always keep looking here on the, on the roster, but we're very happy with the guys here. Um, the coaches are very happy. So um, I think this is a group that uh, we feel we can win with. And um, so we'll continue to just keep building and working. I wanted to conclude with this one here talking about Keon Smith because, you know, as a person that fancies themselves an amateur scout and an analysis or an analyst of football players, it's important to recognize where you get things wrong or lessons you could learn from things that you were wrong about. And Keon Smith is one of those guys because, like I said on the podcast a few times, I just didn't think it was going to happen for him here. And I probably wrote him off before I even gave him a chance this training camp. And sure enough, he had a really good preseason, put together a pretty good training camp, and here he is on the active roster. So here's Chris Greer talking about what Keon Smith did to make that transformation to get himself ready. Raw player, right? Well, sometimes those raw players turn into players. Yeah, so uh, Keon, you know, small college, uh, HBCU, and worked worked hard. And so um, he came here um, basically and was just um, needed a lot of work, very raw and everything he had. And, and so um, he just puts his head down and grinds every day. And um, he's gone, worked each year and battled to where he was on and off practice squads back and forth. And then um, this year, I think second year in a system helped him a lot. Um, but it's a, a testament to him and his work ethic now he's done because he's um, he just comes in and grinds. And uh, T-Stead was talking about how he just loved his effort and, and how he approached every day. And so uh, he just wants to be better. He loves ball, loves being here. And so um, I was very proud of him, happy for him to make the team. All right, there you go. That is the podcast today. Hope you guys all enjoyed that. Kind of a different uh, show than we're used to. I've missed doing my theories and research projects that I was kind of known for in the past. So fun to get a chance to go back and do that here today. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Linkfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. Check out our YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, until tomorrow, fins up. Caroline Cameron, Daddy's coming home.